Man, didn't we hear some preaching this morning? Wow. Amen. Amen. We are so tremendously blessed to have Brother Garnett with us tonight and Wednesday night. If it's not your custom to come to church on Wednesday night, first of all, it should be. Amen. It should be. And if and 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 even though even whatever you need to be here Wednesday night we're gonna have a great Holy Ghost revival service it's gonna be awesome do whatever you can do whatever you can amen stick a pack of Pringles in your car if you have to to be able to eat on the way to church but whatever be here 715 gonna have a great revival service why don't we stand in honor to the man of God amen what a great preacher what a great friend man of God hears from God prays and seeks the Lord we're so thankful to have he and Olivia with us in service uh, tonight, this week for revival. Looking forward to the great move of the Holy Ghost tonight. Why don't you welcome Brother Sean Garnett and the Lord. Amen. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give that hand clap to the Lord tonight. Praise His mighty name. Are you thankful you know who Jesus is this evening? Praise the name of the Lord. May be seated for a moment. Now, now you're going to help me preach tonight. I know I'm not the one that called your children down tonight. So you just, amen. You're going to help me preach this evening. Amen. It's so good to be back in the house of the Lord on this Sunday night. A great crowd and a great God. Great God. I give honor tonight again to your wonderful bishop and his lovely wife, Brother and Sister Wilson that are just continually inspirations and mentors to so many, especially including my family. And we love them and appreciate them tonight. A dear friend of mine, Brother and Sister Boscus, and their two uh, beautiful young daughters, and we just appreciate this family so much. I'm thankful to have Olivia uh, with me on this trip. If you'll come back Wednesday night, if you'll come back Wednesday night, we may just have Olivia sing Wednesday night. How about that? That'd be all right. She's shaking her head like her mama does too, and I'll just do to her what I do to her mama. I ignore it. <laughs> so anyhow, amen. Maybe we'll just try to sing a song Wednesday night, but it's good to be in the house of the Lord. For the first time, I've spoken with them over the last few months, and due to COVID and cancellations and not being able to get together, um, I wasn't able to meet them. But for the very first time this evening, I got to meet Brother Vincent, and I see his wife from a distance. And I want to say that they have recently been, uh, been accepted. They're the most recent evangelistic team of the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ Evangelist Department. And we're excited about that. We're excited about that so very, very much. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want us to turn the word of the Lord to 1 Kings the 17th chapter, 1 Kings, the 17th chapter, and I want to begin reading at verse number 1, 1 Kings, the 17th chapter, and we'll begin reading at verse number 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, 
Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, which is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Read verse 7 with me if you would this evening. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Look at your neighbor in disbelief and say, the brook dried up. I, I just want to preach for a, ever how long God would have it tonight, not to hold you hostage by no means. But I want to preach inconvenienced for an opportunity. Inconvenienced for an opportunity. Let's lift our hands to heaven and let's pray to the Lord tonight. God, we love you and we praise you, Almighty God, this evening. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings, Lord, that we've already experienced today, Lord, in this sanctuary, around this altar, God, that's been visited throughout this day. I pray, Lord, tonight that you would strengthen someone, encourage someone, that through their time of dilemma, there is a purpose and an opportunity, Lord, for them. I pray, Lord, tonight that you would touch in a mighty way. We give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this evening. Elijah came before King Ahab, and he had a word for Ahab from God. Due to idolatry and due to the sins of God's people, God sent his man in to speak to the king and say, According to God, he has sent me to stand before you and to let you know that there's not going to be any dew or rain for these years according to the word of God. Because of idolatry and because of sin and because of you turning your attention away from Jehovah, he wanted me to let you know that for a period of time there's going to be no rain. Where there is no rain, there's going to end up to being a famine. When famine comes, cattle begin to die and things begin to happen. And things around you are going to begin to die all because you turn your attention to one you allowed to come in. One that tore down the sanctuaries of Jehovah and in its place set up monuments to Baal. God said, because of your sin, there's going to be no more rain. The word that, that Elijah had for Ahab, he spoke it. Then he turned and walked away. It was then that God had a word for him. He said, I want you to turn your attention, Elijah, and I want you to head eastward. And I want you to hide yourself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And you're going to sit down beside of a brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. You just hang out around the brook, and you're going to have fresh water. You just hang out around the brook, and there's going to be plenty of food that the ravens bring you. 
And for a period of time, ever how long that was, over the next three and a half years, he enjoyed the comfort of fresh water. He enjoyed the provisions of God for a season of time. He enjoyed the food that the ravens brought him. But the scripture tells us in 1 Kings, the seventh chapter, that the brook dried up. The provision that God had for him is now gone. It has turned for Elijah into an inconvenience. He wakes up one day and the brook is gone. He wakes up one hour and the ravens are not bringing any more food. And now he is being inconvenienced. No one likes to be inconvenienced. Nobody likes to pull off to the side from a drive through window and wait for their food. No one likes to be inconvenienced on the interstates. No one likes to wait for a period of time. Not a soul in this building likes to be inconvenienced. God honestly really doesn't care when it comes to him furthering his kingdom whether we like to be inconvenienced or not. Because sometimes God has to intervene and God has to inconvenience us in order for us to head in another part of ministry in our lives. Sometimes inconvenience propels us to go forward in order to have another opportunity. And what Elijah did not know was God had to dry his brook up in order for him to head toward a lady who was a widow. What Elijah didn't understand was, I, I'm enjoying the brook and I'm enjoying the food that the ravens are bringing. But what he didn't understand was there was a woman that was gathering sticks every day, knowing that one day would be the last day she'd gather sticks. And she'd get that little bit of oil from that cruise and that little bit of meal from that barrel. And she'd mix it all up and she, and, and she would know that this is the last cake I'll bake for me and my son and then we will die. But while God sees his man being inconvenienced, God also sees another lady that he's about to see in an opportunity. Out of your inconvenience, God will always send you to a greater opportunity. I don't know how bad you're feeling, but if you'll praise God, somebody around you might just get a miracle. I don't know how bad your day has been, but if you'll worship God out of your inconvenience, God just might pour out an opportunity upon your life. Scripture tells us that today is the day of salvation and right now is the appointed time. Do you know that it's contagious, your praise and your worship? Do you understand that it becomes contagious? You can sit there and not worship God in your inconvenience and before you know it, somebody behind you is going to sit there because they're watching you. And then the next thing you know, it trickles through the area that you're sitting in because you've been inconvenienced today. You've been inconvenienced the last few hours. You've been inconvenienced for the last few months. We were inconvenienced all of 2020. We've been inconvenienced in 2021. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of wearing the mask. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of not getting together with God's people on a national level. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of not having gatherings. I don't know about you, but I'm tired not to be able to visit the elderly in the rest homes. I, I don't understand why the inconvenience, but God understands it. God understands 
understands the inconvenience. God understands that last year you baptized over 80 people in Jesus' name and over 100 new converts came to Bethlehem Church. I want to tell you, in your inconvenience, you got to break out. In your inconvenience, you got to go on through. In your inconvenience, you got to press your way. Somebody that's been inconvenienced in the last few weeks, just go ahead and clap your hands real loud and let the devil know my brook might have dried up, but God's sending me somewhere for a miracle to take place. Woo, hallelujah. God's sending me somewhere for a miracle. It may be my miracle. It may be my mother's miracle. It may be my father's miracle. It may be my neighbor's miracle. But I'm not leaving here tonight whining and crying about my inconveniences. If God asked me to pull over for a period of time, there's a reason. If God's let me walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there is a reason. If God has allowed me to climb this mountain and it seems like I'm not going to make it there is a reason what is the reason brother Garnett there may be a widow when you're climbing up that mountain that's just about to let go and when they see you coming up they might look at you and say well if they can make it I can make it if they can worship I can worship if they can praise God I can praise God if they can inconvenience it's inconvenience for some to worship God on a Sunday night we're all tired we ate more than we should have maybe today we, we shouldn't have ate that last slice of cake we just got out of a recliner just a few minutes before church we made our way to the house of God we'll steer a little weary in body we're already thinking about having to get up early tomorrow morning and head to work we're sitting here you ought to be thankful pastor you ought to be thankful brother Garnett that I'm even here you ought to be thankful that you ought to look at me real good you ought to be thankful that I'm even here no we ought to be thankful we're here this is an inconvenience for me, not for me. Oh, this is an inconvenience. I'm walking through stuff you may have never walked through. I'm, I'm facing things you may have never faced. Your brook may be running good now, but my brook's dried up. God never lets one door close, but what he opens, another door. Write that in your Bible. Highlight it with a marker. Type it in your iPad. Type it on your phone. God will never let one thing dry up, but what he'll take you somewhere else where there's running water Woo! I said God never lets one thing dry up but God will take you somewhere else where there's running water go ahead sister worship him go ahead brother praise him you may be right by yourself on that pew and everybody else may be sitting there looking at the stars get up on your feet and praise God in your inconvenience and let a miracle take place in your life Amen. Somebody shout amen. amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Uh, I don't know how many years ago it was now. It had to be a good nine years ago. Sister Garnett called me and I was preaching a revival. I was preaching a revival and she called me and she said, Honey, I, I got a call. I said, That's good. I'm glad, I'm glad you got a call. She said, I got a call for a three-day-old baby boy. I said, that's real good. Did you answer it? Oh, yeah, I answered it. I said, that's good. She said, I, I, I think we ought to 
they've asked if we would take him in for a while. I, what do you think? I said, whatever you want to do. Well, I knew what she was going to do. She was going to have that baby at home before I could get home. She went and picked up that baby, and I'm not trying to offend anybody tonight. If anybody knows the Garnett family in general, you know that we are not racist by far. By far. And so she went and picked him up, and she said that, 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 that his name, she called me back, and she was just a weeping. She said, his name is Isaac. And I said, that's great, honey, that's great. She said, and we're going to be his Abraham. That sounded real good. That sounded real good. That, 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 sounded, that sounded so good. She got Isaac home, and she took him in to the first night of Wednesday evening service, and I was still out of town, and she called me back, and she said, Every, everybody really, really treated him well. Everybody responded well. I was a little nervous because the doctors, when I got there, treated him, and many of the nurses treated him as if he was actually, you know, not, not so much a plague, but they were a little concerned about sending him home with us, and we had smaller children there in the home at the time as well, and, she said, she said he's, his mother has AIDS, and they're very concerned that, that baby Isaac's going to have AIDS. And she said, I, I told him, I'll do whatever I have to do. I, I'll, I'll, I'll wear gloves to change diapers. I, I'll do whatever I have to do. And they said, well, he's going to stay in your care, and he has to be on this medicine every four hours if we're going to even try to beat this. There's a good possibility he's not going to beat it, but he's going to have AIDS as well. And, and so she told folks, and folks responded, and we began to pray, and we began to pray. And Isaac was some... Uh, well over a year old, and some of you maybe remember baby Isaac at one of the National Youth Conventions. And uh, we, we got a phone call from the doctor because his grandparents, being such great people, we got a phone call from the doctor, she did, and he said, listen, I, I know that, that the court date's coming up, and I know Isaac's supposed to go home to his grandparents. It's a great match. He said, but I'm not letting Isaac get out of this house until we do his last test. I want him to stay put where he's at. Sister Garnett told that doctor, she said, we're praying and we're believing that it's going to come back clear. All the tests are going to come back clear. And he said, that's one reason I want him left in that house because, because I, I believe that prayer works. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it was an inconvenience. It was an inconvenience for Sister Garnett and myself every four hours, 24 hours a day for the next year and a half to get up and make sure that baby had the medicine that he needed. It was an inconvenience to fall on your face before God and, and pray for something you knew nothing about. But the results came in just about six weeks later. And the doctor personally called my wife and said, I've got some great news. She said, what is the news? He said, we did the last test on Isaac and he is age free. Age free. I want to tell somebody tonight in the Holy Ghost that this cannot be just about you. This cannot be just about you, brother. This cannot be just about you, sister. This cannot be just about your blessings and your brook and Raven bringing you food every once in a while. God's going to have to let something dry up in your life so you'll realize there's a widow woman that needs me. There's a man that needs me. There has to be some time in your walk with God that you shake yourself from yourself and you realize that Bethlehem Church cannot just worry about you, that you need to start worrying about others, that you say, God, I'm not complaining about what I'm going through. I'm not complaining about what I don't have. I'm not complaining about the things that's going on around me. Evidently, you're trying to propel me to get me to a point where there's someone else that needs something greater in their life. If Elijah's 
brook would have never dried up. He'd have never went to where the widowed woman was. He'd have never went. In the state of North Carolina, there are many churches that are still closed. The Pentecostal Lighthouse, I don't say in a proud spirit, but I say in a thankful spirit. We have been open for quite some time. As a matter of fact, there's a new statistic that's come out that they say that 45% of churches and religious churches in general across America will never open again. Just a few weeks ago, a man inboxed me on Facebook and he said, our church has been closed since March. He said, I told my family, we have to go somewhere. We have to go somewhere. He said, can we come to your church? We got folks attending our church now that are coming to our church, just waiting for their church to open up. And what are you doing, Brother Garnett? I am preaching the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you for helping me preach tonight. I, I really appreciate it. Yes, yes. Because God has propelled through a pandemic for the church of the living God to have a greater revival in the latter time than it ever has before. It is not by coincidence that in one year's time you have seen a hundred converts come into the church. Some said it would never happen, but God said, I got to let a brook dry up. And if a brook dries up, a pastor's going to propel a little bit harder. He's going to dig a little bit deeper. He's going to go a little bit farther. Sometimes he can't get his people where he wants them because we get too relaxed with what we got. Let's not get relaxed in this building. That building right next door wasn't put there just for folks to ride by and give up on. That building wasn't put there for Bethlehem Church to say it'll never happen. I come, to kick, I come tonight to speak against that devil of oppression and that devil of doubt. In the name of Jesus, if it takes $2 million, if... If God give you a hundred souls, don't you think God can give you two million dollars? He didn't put it over there for just, just us to look at. The vision of your bishop and your pastor is not just laying over there for just to walk through every once in a while and say, well, one day, why not today? Sometimes God has allowed some things to dry up in our life. We've got to become more concerned about the kingdom of God than we do our kingdom. Our kingdom's going to perish and it's going to fade away, but the kingdom of God is going to last throughout eternity. The best thing you can invest your life in is the kingdom of God. The best thing, young man, you can invest your walk with, with your life in is the kingdom of God. Young married couple, the best thing you can invest your life in is the kingdom of God. It brings back great dividends. There's nothing like the kingdom of God. There's nothing like giving to the kingdom of God. There's nothing like worshiping in the sanctuary of God. There's nothing like a vision that's sitting next door to us. I want to tell you tonight, I just believe, I just got to believe there's some people in here that don't even feel like worshiping but you're still worshiping. I just got to believe tonight there's some women in here tonight don't even feel like lifting your hand that high, but you're going to go ahead and put it up about that high. I just think there's some ladies in here tonight don't even feel like screaming, but you just go, one more time and glorify God. You know why you did it? 
because you understand there's something greater for you and somebody else. You say, well, I feel better. You better believe you feel better. You can't praise God without feeling better. You can't worship God without feeling better. You can't shout without feeling better. You can't run without feeling better. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. You may be seated. Olivia, would you stand up? Olivia, thank you so much, honey, for obeying your dad for a minute. Olivia was four years old. Sister Garnett and I were trading automobiles. Remain standing. We were trading automobiles. She was in our Christian school enjoying whatever she was doing at four years old in our outreach center. We were test driving an automobile and Sister Garnett, I said, you test drive the car. She gets in this nice new minivan and she starts test driving it. The gentleman we were about to buy this car from there at the dealership was a good friend of mine. He was a few years older than I was, but he grew up in the community and, and I knew him. We called him Possum. His name was Harvey Hall, but we called him Possum was his nickname. That's what most people knew him by, Possum. So Possum's in the front seat with Sister Garnett. I'm sitting in one of the captain's seats behind Possum and we're going down the road just about two miles from the church and, and my phone rings. And when my phone rings, I hear screams, shrills, screams. And all I hear are these words, Olivia is dead. Well, I don't deal with tense situations very well. I was in an automobile going down the highway just a few miles from where she laid. I could hear folks screaming in the background. I could hear staff members doing the best they could with what they had to do with. And I remember hanging at that phone and I said, she, I said honey, they said, they said, they're screaming, Olivia's dead, she's not breathing. They're saying she's had a seizure, whatever, whatever. And she said, you pray and I'm driving. I turned around that captain's seat and I want to tell you, about 12 years ago when that baby girl was four years old, my brook dried up. God let my brook dry up because there was a boy in the front of that seat. His name was Harvey Hall. He'd never been around Pentecost very much. He lived around it, but he'd never been around it. When she said pray, I hit my knees and I started screaming, Jesus, like an Indian in the back seat. I mean, I screamed, Jesus. I pled the blood of Jesus. I said, help us, Jesus. I said, touch Olivia, Jesus. And the whole time I'm praying, I can feel that automobile getting faster and getting faster and getting faster. We finally get to the church. We jump out of the car. We run in. By the time we get there, the paramedics are there, and she's breathing. Thank God. She had had one of those major seizures. I, I mean, a major seizure. They throw her in the back of the ambulance. We're, we're, we're jumping in another car. Sister going jumping in the back of the ambulance and while we're leaving I'm riding by that car we were test driving and Harvey Hall still in the passenger seat his eyes were about that big they said possum sat in that car in that minivan in the church parking lot for a good 45 minutes after we had left. He didn't know what to do. He tells a story later. He said, I, I, it's like any experience I'd ever had in my life. Honey, you be seated. He said, my God. He said, he was praying in the back seat, about to tear the back seat up. He was speaking in a tongue I never heard in my life. His wife was in the front. She was running 105 mile an hour in a 45 minutes, 45 mile an hour zone. He said, 
that I thought I was going to die, but I didn't really think I would die because I didn't think God would let that man back there praying like that die. So I thought I would be okay. He said, I just got to the church house, and when we got there, See, some of you right now will know what I'm preaching about. When you finally realize what I'm talking about, you ought to run, shout, dance, cry, scream, holler. You ought to do something because God never let one brook dry up, but what he don't let something else. God never lets one brook dry up. That's it. Thank God. 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 You may have a dried up brook, but keep on screaming. You may have a dried up brook, but keep on praising. You may have a dried up brook. There's a woman needing you. Somebody's miracles needing your encouragement. seated if you want to you can stand wherever you feel like doing tonight now we may have four or five more of them all services it's all right I, I got something I really need I want to encourage somebody tonight can you can you even picture the shock and disappointment as Elijah walked out to the brook to get his daily water supply he looked down upon the dry brown stones of the brook bed and could scarcely believe what he saw not a drop of water remained a terrible tragedy had overtaken him. The brook had dried up. We have no way of knowing how long God tested his prophet by the barren brook. For a time at least, Elijah had to wait in faith. It probably seemed that all the promises were failing. God had abandoned him to an agonizing death in the parched wilderness. But as he lingered and listened, God spoke these words. Arise! Look at your neighbor and say, get up. Sometimes some people just need to be told, get up. Arise, arise, get, get up. Get down to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. He gets up and he heads out across and he heads in the direction God sent him. And the closer he gets, the more he recognizes there's a, there's a lady and that must be her. She's out gathering sticks. The prophet then says to her, would you go get me some water? Matter of fact, scripture says, would you fetch me a little bit of water? Now understand this lady was gathering sticks to prepare and cook the last bit a meal that she had and now a man shows up in her backyard that she doesn't really know who he is and then he asked for some water he said and why are you getting me some water how about how about baking me a cake then she says I don't know if you really understand this or not but I was about to bake a cake for me and my son we're gonna eat it and we're gonna die but the prophet said you bake me a cake first and if you bake me a cake first, something's going to happen in this house that would have never happened before. Now Elijah realizes, now Elijah realizes why he had to leave where he was. Sometimes you got to get out of your comfort zone for somebody else to be introduced to what you know is good for them. It's all right. It's all right. 
Don't dampen the new converts. Let them get radical. Let them get crazy. Let them go wild. That's right. Don't, don't dampen the new converts when they walk in. They may not be perfect, but I don't know many people trying to serve God today that are. Let them lift the voices to God. They... <laughs> they know what it feels like to be a drug addict. They know what it feels like to have no money in the bank. They know what it feels like to have nothing. But now they know what it feels like to have a little jingle in their pocket. They know what it feels like to be able to make the light bill on time. They know what it feels like. Yes, they do. They know what it feels like to drive a car and they can pay the note. They know what it feels like. They, they know what it feels like to talk in tongues. They know what it feels like to feel the Shekinah glory. They know what it feels like. So if they add a little, little bit out of order, just let it go with it. Go with it. One day your brook's going to dry up and you're going to have to do something different yourself. Don't we see tonight how God closed one door that he can open another one? Elijah had been there long enough. You can be seated if you like. Elijah had been there. Listen, you keep on talking in tongues and dancing if you want. It ain't going to bother me tonight. But Elijah had been there long enough. Look at your neighbor and say, you've been there long enough. Some of you know you're looking at somebody that needs to hear it. Look at them again and say, you've been there long enough. Come on, say it with some passion about it. You've been there long enough. You've been sitting there in that dried up brook long enough. You've been fading away long enough. You've been complaining long enough. You've been murmuring long enough. You've been there long enough. Woo! I, I'm not, I honestly am not trying to be rude. You can stay in the altar, but I'm not done yet. I don't know if I've ever done this in 20-some years of ministry, but I'm not done yet. Just, just look at somebody. Look at somebody way back over there and tell them, you've been there long enough. You've been sitting in that same spot long enough. You've been doing the same thing long enough. You've been pushing back the messages that bishop and pastor preach long enough. You've been saying, let somebody else do it long enough. You've been drying up long enough. Look at them and tell them you've been there long enough. Yeah, you've, been, you've been there way too long. You've been there long enough. Sinner friend, you've been there way too long. Alcoholic, you've been there way too long. Drug addict, you've been there way too long. Suicidal thoughts, you've been lingering there way too long. God's got something for you. I said, God's got something for you. Been there long enough. You've been there long enough. Come out of her in the name of Jesus. Paul, Silas said, come out of her. That spirit of divination. Come out of her. 
the men of the city got angry and upset. Man, they were having red-hot apostolic revival. They were seeing people baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. They were casting out devils. They were releasing people from the spirits of bondage. And now they come in a city where this young girl was bringing satisfaction to the men of the city. And they cast that spirit that was bringing satisfaction to the men. They cast it out of her. They helped deliver that lady by the hand and merciful hand of God. And the men of the city got aggravated and said, let's throw them in prison. Paul and Silas, they threw him in prison. Musicians, if you want to make your way, I, I don't mean I'm done yet, but if you want to come help me, that'd be great. Threw him. Before they threw him in the prison, the Bible says they beat him. I remember as a kid, there was a chorus they sung in church. I was a little boy. It's been a few, been about 15 years ago. And they sing this chorus in church. You gotta move. You gotta move. You gotta move. You gotta. Now, don't nobody get nervous. We ain't about to sing it. No, you musicians, don't get nervous. That's for y'all's time. Oh, when the Lord gets ready, you gotta move. You gotta move. You gotta move. Then that old lady throw her head back. She say, "You may be high, or you may be low. You may be rich, or you may be poor." But when the Lord gets ready, you gotta move, you gotta move, you gotta move. You gotta move. When the Lord gets ready, you got to get up. Can't sit there any longer. You've been in church long enough to understand this can't just be about you all the time. God didn't bring you out of the world and put the Holy Ghost inside of you just for you to check off three services a week and say, I'm doing good. God delivered you from the pit of sin that you might take it to somebody else who's about to die. I know I said it a year ago, but I can't help it. I don't say this much. I just can't help it. I know you folks are excited about over a hundred soul revival in a year, year and a half or so, but God's got many, many, many more for you. I prophesy in the Holy Ghost tonight that by the end of this year, you're going to start setting out some chairs in this sanctuary because you can't be in this kind of atmosphere without God moving. You can't come to this kind of atmosphere without... Come on, that might wanna, you might just want to take somebody by the hand and say, Come on, you've been there long enough. Come on, you've been there long enough. Paul and Silas beat. Paul and Silas in stocks and bonds. Paul and Silas in the inner prison where there was no windows, no bathroom, the stench where immorality, sexual sins took place, where many of them committed suicide. They were with the worst of the worst. They were chained to the wall. Cramps in their leg paralyzed them. They were in a mess. As a matter of fact, I would have to say, Brother Wilson Murphy, their brook dried up. They ain't got their suits and ties on anymore. Their nice sandals they've taken from them. They got prison clothes on. They got chains on the wrist and their ankles. Their brook has dried up. But at midnight, 
Paul and Silas prayed. They said, you know what? Ain't carpet. There's, there's no carpet in here, and we can't get on our knees because we're chained to the wall, but we're going to make where we're at an altar because every time you get to an altar, things start turning around. And they begin to pray, and then they begin to sing praises unto God. They just begin to sing praises unto God. You understand? The reason God allowed them to get from where they were to a prison was because there was prisoners there. Some folks say, God, I want you to use me, but you really don't know what you're saying. Because God will use you literally. God loves that man outside these doors so much that if he has to put you through a trial to get you where he's at, he'll take you through a trial to get you there. He loves mankind so much that if he has to dra drag Bethlehem through the muck and the mire to get this whole community understanding that apostolic is the way, that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, that repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost is the only gospel. There is not another except the man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God for that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit marvel not that I said unto thee you must be born again go ye therefore teaching all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost and what is his name his name is Jesus oh I'm telling somebody today that God may have to take you through a valley he loves this community so much that if he has to take you through a valley that gets you to where he wants you, he's going to do it. The only thing they could hear in a prison, the only thing they could hear in a prison was Paul and Silas. We're getting back to Paul and Silas here in a minute. Everybody say the widow woman. Baked the cake. She served the man of God. Keep, stay with me. He ate. He, ate. he left. He she got up the next morning. She went to an empty barrel, what she thought. There was just enough flour in the barrel. And just enough oil in the cruise. You can stop now. Every day she went back, there was just enough until God allowed rain to fall down from heaven. And God said, I got to get Elijah from way from that brook. I got to let his stuff dry up just to get him over here so this woman will proclaim me as Lord and Savior. I got I to gotta be introduced to this lady so that lady will introduce everybody in her neighborhood. You won't believe the miracle that happened. Every time I go to a barrel, there's meal. Every time I go to the cruise, there's all. Now, Paul and Silas. Look at your neighbor and say, poor Paul and Silas. They prayed. And then they started singing praises to God. You may have I don't know this song, but I'm going to try. I mean, Pick me up. Turn me around. Place my feet on the I master. I make the Up, turn me 
way too excited. Y'all, y'all are the prisoners. We're Paul and Silas. Don't get it mixed up right now, okay? Now they had to sing a few times before it started being going down the corridors of the prison, but don't you know that something began to happen in that prison? The Bible tells us that something began to happen in that prison to where an earthquake started happening. Kind of what we feel in the spirit right now. Something's happening in this place. It's, it's causing people to get up that ain't got up in a while. It's causing people to get on fire that ain't been on fire in a while. Do you know what would happen in Bethlehem if every person in this place would get on fire for God tonight? There would be a continual revival. Of He said, in three days, he said, in three days, they're going to crucify me, but in three days, I'm going to get up. If anybody was inconvenienced for you and I, it was Jesus Christ. He did nothing wrong to anybody. He caused no pain for no soul. He healed open blinded eyes, caused a lame to walk, did many marvelous miracles. But yet they accused him wrongfully. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They tied him to a whipping post and with the cat of nine tails that whipped that ripped the flesh from his back to his lungs were exposed. He took 39 stripes for our healing. They laughed at him. They made fun. They spit in his face. He was inconvenienced, but he understood the opportunity that lie ahead on the other side of the cross. They put a cross on his back and he carried it as far as he could. They nailed one hand to the cross and the other hand to the cross. They took another spike and they nailed both feet to the cross. They raised him up and again they laughed and made fun. And said, if you're really king of the 
and choose and you are who you say you are why don't you call for the angels to come and rescue you when he could have but he understood that his body had to be broken his flesh had to walk through pain he had to be inconvenienced tonight so all of you musicians and all of you singers can feel what you feel right now not because a preacher's preaching but because you got something on the inside of you that was paid for at a cross of Calvary he inconvenienced himself that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He inconvenienced himself so he can so he can heal our bodies and save our children. So when they let him down, when they let him down, and his poor mother, in the grief state that she was, dressed his body and wrapped him in, and they put him in a bar or tomb. imagination is going way out now right now the angels in heaven knew what was taking place with the body of our Savior they let him rest in that tomb for day one and day two but on that third day I don't know they might have sung songs something like get up get up get up get up out of that grave get up get up get up get up out of that grave Oh, Satan thought he had it finished. But the Lord said, I'll carry it for all my people. He wasn't the most popular. He was inconvenienced. But he did it for you and I. Hallelujah. Get up out of that grave. Get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up out of that grave. Get up out of that grave. Take somebody by the hand. You might want to ask for their permission because you may get a little crazy right here. You might want to say, would you take my hand? Some of you right now are taking the hand. Some of you have asked to take the hand of somebody and you know your brook is dried up. You know you're walking through things right now that you ain't walked in ever before. There's some of you that's taking the hand of somebody you know. You don't hardly know how you're going to make it more or less encourage somebody else but God is about to allow some things that have been broken and buried to get up God's about to allow you in your own I speak over this congregation in the name of Jesus what you thought was lost is about to rise what you thought was over is about to come forth what you thought was finished is about to take place what you thought was over is about to come in full circle That's it. It's okay to get radical. It's okay to shake. It's okay to go ahead. It's not over, friend. I said it's not over. It's not over. Don't let that hand go. Don't let that hand go. You dragged them all around this church, but don't you let that hand go. Don't you let that hand go. There's a miracle happening. I said there's a miracle happening now. There's a healing taking place right now. There's an answer taking place right now. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up,
want you to go to somebody you know is facing hell right now. It's all right. It's, I, want, I don't want to expose him. It's okay. It's okay. If I was going through hell, I'd expose myself. I'd expose myself. Take me by the hand. Come on, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. If you know somebody's facing sickness, if you know somebody's walking through trouble, if you know somebody feels like they can't break that addiction that you know they can, I want you to go to where they're at, take them by the hand, lift that high to heaven, and I want you to shout them to God just as loud as you can shout. I know you got to leave your brook to do this, but go ahead and do it. Operate the Holy Ghost right now. Operate the Holy Ghost right now. They wouldn't be here if they didn't want to break through. They wouldn't have come to church tonight if they didn't want to break through. Go ahead, sisters, operate the Holy Ghost. Go ahead, brothers, operate the Holy Ghost. Go ahead, teenagers, operate the Holy Ghost. Take somebody by the hand, and when you're done shouting, go find somebody else. Leave your brook and go ahead and take victory to somebody.
but to believe my doubts are burning like ashes in the wind. So, so long to my Look at somebody say, come on, let's get up. Burning Look at somebody say, come on, let's get up. You can just keep it's it time moving. to go. Now's the time to go. Look at them and say, we got to get up no. now.
tries to attack that home daily, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that this church will rise to the occasion. In the name of Jesus, I pray and plead the blood over Brother Voskis and Sister Voskis and Ellie and Kate. In the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Let there be a church that rises up from a dried up brook and says there's greater opportunities. Our pastor wouldn't be leading us this way if he won't go in somewhere. Our pastor's following God. If he's following God, he's taking us somewhere. We gotta leave what we're convenienced by. We gotta leave what we're used to. We gotta leave the conveniences we've been around way too long. And we gotta follow the man of God. I pray for every born again believer, every guest, the church body of Bethlehem, apostolic church. I pray a special touch upon every man and every woman in the name of Jesus. When they come back in here the next service, let there be praise and glory and honor that comes forth in the name of Jesus. Give this church a revival that can be a mentor to the church in Wilson. God, let this church have a revival that it can be an example to the church I pastor. In the name of Jesus, let there be a pouring out, God, like we've never seen before in the history of this 21st century.
Aren't you glad you've had your prison doors to shake? Somebody set free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you look at somebody tonight and say, the miracle is worth the inconvenience. It's worth it. It's worth it to see the inconvenience. Amen. To see the miracle. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Brother McKnight. Brother McKnight wanted me, uh, I mean, Pastor V wanted me to tell you about Brother McKnight's funeral and etc. We do not know totally what time, uh, but they're going tomorrow to make arrangements, and hopefully the main service will be Tuesday night. Tuesday night, the main service will be a brief service on Wednesday for the, uh, instead of having a graveside, they'll do it inside the, inside the church building, probably because of the rain. But uh, that is what we know at this point in time. Tuesday night, the main service. Uh, you keep your eyes and ears open. Probably Facebook will be able to tell you more about it after tomorrow. Sometimes tomorrow, maybe tomorrow afternoon. God bless you. Keep praying. Don't forget what? Wednesday night? We can have some more this Wednesday night, can't we? You enjoy the good preaching tonight? Give the Lord a good hand. Brother Garnett. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.